0: Mark 6, verses 45 through 56, we have some wonderful lessons for us. Beginning in verse 45. uh, Remember, Jesus had just fed the thousands, uh, 5,000 men plus women and children. So maybe having fed about 15,000 people with uh, five pieces of bread and two fish. And so when this is all done, we read in verse 45 that immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitude away. Now the Bible says uh, he made them get into the boat. If you read the Greek language, it's even stronger. He, he forces them. He insists, hey, you guys, uh, you need to get into the boat. You need to go away. You need to go to the other side before me. You multitudes, you also need to go away and, uh, and you might wonder why the Lord did this, you know? Why would God, I mean, to me, it almost seems like out of character. Normally Jesus would invite everyone and he would just kinda hang out with them. But this time he sends them away. And there's two reasons we're gonna see as we go through our text. And number one is to protect them. To protect them. Because when you read the parallel passages, you read John chapter six, you read Matthew chapter 14, Matthew, uh, John 6:14, especially, it explains that at least one of the reasons is because Jesus had fed the thousands, and um, so he, he, he informs us that the people understood who he was, that he was the prophet who was to come, you read that in Deuteronomy 18, but they wanted to make him king. They wanted to make him king. Now, everyone was anticipating this. The Jews had the prophecies that the Messiah would come one day and He would rule from Jerusalem, the throne of David. I mean, it was everything they wanted. And it's everything we want too, right? I mean, today we're facing an election, and I'm not sure who you're going to vote for, but, you know, um, I don't know. I have my preference because when I vote, I vote morals, not money. I vote on who stands for life and who stands for marriage and who stands for righteousness and just different things, homeschooling, you name it. That's how I vote. But at the end of the day, I have to acknowledge the fact that in all reality, both these candidates, uh, they're not the answer to our problems, right? I mean, Jesus is the answer. You guys know that? And the Bible does say that one day he will come and he will reign in Jerusalem. It's called the Millennial Kingdom. So there's 300 prophecies in the Old Testament regarding the coming of Christ. So the Jews were anticipating that. So when Jesus came and now everybody sees him feed you know, 15,000 people with five pieces of bread and two fish, they think, well, he's the one, he's the king, let's do it now. And you know, when a crowd gets going, man, I mean, they can really move you, right? And so the Lord sees all that happening. He knows right now it's not time. Jesus didn't come the first time to be the king. He came the first time to die on a cross. And so it was dangerous. And so what does he do? Hey, you guys get into the boat. You need to go to the other side. And he sends them away for their own protection. Right? It was uh, the influence of the people that the Lord was concerned with. And, you know, there is an element for us uh, of protecting our children, protecting our loved ones, you know, from the influences of the world and even the heretical interpretations of the Bible, right? And we have to do that. We have to send our kids away or maybe, you know, insulate them, not isolate them, but insulate them from the influences of the world. And here we see Jesus doing just that. And for us, you guys, a couple of things. Number one, you, may we know how God puts us through circumstances to protect us. I was talking to my daughter yesterday, and uh, I was telling her, and this is kind of an inside thing, so this is very personal, so please don't tell anyone on this, okay? <laughs> but I was telling her how when I was growing up, and I don't know what it was, maybe I was a late bloomer or something, I'm not really sure, but you know, he protected me from girls, believe it or not, man, a lot of the guys my age, they were going and they were doing a lot of things, a lot of crazy things, a lot of sexual adventures, a lot of that stuff, you know? And I, growing up in high school, you know, even though it may hard, be hard for you to believe, but there were a few girls that were interested in me, and they said, hey, Manny, you know? <laughs> and I don't know why, and I don't know how, but for whatever reason, I was telling my daughter this the other day, God protected me from them. I don't understand why I didn't fall for that or do that, and those types of things. And, then I, and I told her, the only thing I could say is that he's protecting me. He protected me. And then I was looking to my daughter, and I said, and he's protecting you. A lot of you here, you know, man, where would we be without that protection of God? And sometimes things we don't understand. Well, why is this happening? Little did you know that he's protecting you. And so he tells the guys, get into the boat, go to the other side, because you can't handle this temptation of them wanting me to, to be king. One of, them, one of the reasons is to protect. Another reason that we see Jesus sends everyone away is to pray. Look what it says there in verse 46. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. You know, everyone disperses, even the disciples. And what ends up happening is the Lord goes to the mountain and he just, he just prays, you know? And I think that is so cool about our Lord. You know, one of the things about Jesus that you see so clearly in the scriptures is He loved spending time with His Father. You know, He loved it. You know, we read in Mark one thirty five. now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. How many of you guys have a hard time waking up in the morning? Just out of curiosity. Sometimes it's hard to get some people up in the morning, right? Unless... Like you're going, you know, skiing or something, you know, snowboarding or, you know, you're going to go to Magic Mountain, you're going to do something really exciting and you're like, hey, I'm awake for whatever reason, right? And so there you are. but for the rest of us, man, we're hitting the snooze button and it's hard to get out of bed. Next thing you know, you already start your day 15 minutes late, right? Jesus was so excited about prayer, about spending time with his Father that he would raise up, he would rise up before the sun, and he would go out and he would pray with his father. There's even times where he prayed all night. Luke 5.16 says he often withdrew into the wilderness and he prayed. You know, and, and I don't think it was necessarily to ask for things, although it's cool when you pray to ask for things, because, man, we need so much from him and he is so rich. But it was primarily just to be with him. Sometimes when I pray, to be honest with you, I'll go before the Lord and I'll just be sitting at his feet and I'll just kind of sit there and I'll ask him, Lord, is there anything that you want to tell me maybe outside of my box that I put you in? Lord, how are you today? And I know that sounds weird, you know, but I, I have these conversations with God because, you know, yeah, I need him and I'm lifting up my wife and I'm lifting up my kids and I try to lift up the church and, you know, I have my own struggles that I pray about, you know, but just just spending time with him. See, that's what the Lord did and he would even send people away. Go away, go away. Why? Because I got to be with my father. And I think that's really Really cool. You know, uh, he taught us to do the same thing in Matthew 6 and verse 6. It says, but you, when you pray, you go into your room, and when you have shut your door, you pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Okay, so let me ask you a question, honest question. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? you're like, well, Manny, I don't really want to talk about that right now, you know. And let me tell you something, okay? I am not a legalistic Christian. I'm not one of those guys that want to put a whole bunch of heavy burdens on you, you know? I love being free in the Lord. I love the fact that I don't have to necessarily wear a suit, and on Thursday nights I can even wear a T-shirt, you know? And we we are a church where you don't have to get dressed up, and we're not you know, all ceremonial and formal. Not that there's necessarily, you know, something inherently wrong with that. But we are a free Christian church. You know, we're filled with love and we worship God in spirit and in truth. And, and we don't put, you know, regulations on you. We won't beat you up. We won't whip you. We will do our best to love you. But i, I would tell you what, when we're talking about prayer, we're talking about something that's so important in your life that... You know, you, you, I pray that you would come to that place of spending time with God the way that you should, man. You know, can you visualize Jesus waking up early in the morning and going to pray? Would you ever do that? Would you ever just wake up early and, and just go somewhere and pray? I mean, do you have a place to pray? Jesus said you go into your closet. Maybe it's your room. For me, I'll, sometimes I go in the garage or I go in the backyard Um, And I know others, you know, they they just drive. They go to the beach. But just spending time with the Lord. Because let me tell you something. When you go and you spend time with the Lord, so much happens there. But Jesus said right there, if you pray in secret, your Father will reward you openly. There's something that God wants to give you. There's a life. There's a peace. There's a joy. There's a power. There's something that God wants to give you. And he's just waiting for you to ask him. I mean, we're talking about something that money can't buy. I don't care how much money you have, it can never buy love or joy or purpose or cause. I try to stir the young people up because you're the next generation. Okay, we're getting older, man, and we're slowing down a little bit. You, you got a whole bunch of energy, right? And you're bouncing off the walls. The question is, what are you using that energy for? What I would say to you young people here today is use that energy for Jesus Christ. Use that energy to help people, to help the poor, to help those who are hungry, to help those who are thirsty, to help those who they want to commit suicide. And God will use you to bring a message of hope to them, to To awaken them to the love of God. You know, but when you pray, you're going to be rewarded. He will bless you with something to do in life. You see, that's why I really encourage you guys to have this heart. And I don't know if you can hear me or not, but I'm calling you to pray. Not just when you eat, Lord, thank you for these tacos. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. As a matter of fact, I, I keep forgetting to ask you guys this. When you pray, can you please pray for God to bless Calvary Chapel, Almani? Just real quick, just kind of put that in there between the enchiladas. Can you do that real quick? Or even, I even think of this, Lord, please bless truth and treat harvest, you know, that outreach that we have. You know, if we start praying, God will bless. But sometimes that's all, the only time people pray. Oh, when it's time to eat, you know, let's pray. Or every once in a while, we'll flick one real quick. You know, before I was a Christian, before I would go out the door, I would always pray. Did you know that I would pray, Lord, help me this day to do everything according to Your will, and everything I think and say and do in Jesus' name, Amen. And I would go out the door. You know, and I, and, and and I don't know. Is this like a mantra? But but you know, it's cool because when I got saved, you know, then my prayers began to mean something. It wasn't just a memorized mantra. It came from the heart. You know, here we see the Lord, our example, encouraging us to pray because as we follow him, we do what he does. And, you know, I don't know, how long do you pray? Just five minutes? Okay, that's a, it's okay. Start there. Ten minutes? You're like, I don't know if I could wake up that early. Try it. Try it, man. You know, some people, they tell me, well, I don't know what to say when I pray. I run out of things to say. And uh, you can just tell them, Lord, tell the Lord, I'm you're struggling, Lord, I'm struggling. You know, right now with this with this sin, I'm hurting in my heart, Lord, I'm dying inside. I mean, there is plenty of things to say, Lord, help me, Lord, forgive me, Lord, guide me, Lord, strengthen me. You know, when you pray, you can spend time in worship. You can thank Him for all the ways that He's blessed your life, for dying on the cross. I mean. When you pray, you can lift others up uh, before the Lord. Man, God will use you to intercede for them. Your family, your friends, those you're responsible for. For those that maybe have drifted away from church, those who are sick physically or suffering emotionally, those who might be in the middle of a terrible storm and you see it happening. There's plenty of things to pray for. But let me just tell you this. The one thing the devil doesn't want you to do is to pray. He'll do he, he'll, anything else. Go ahead and read. Go ahead and go to church. Go again, and get involved in ministry. And although, you know, yeah, he'll kind of fight that a little bit, the most, the most thing that, that threatens him, they say that the devil trembles even when he sees the weakest saint on their knees. I tell you what, you go home. If you haven't been praying, you go home and you get on your knees and you just talk to God and the devil will tremble. See, that's what what Jesus is doing. He's our example. Go away, go away, go away. It's time for me to pray. And you take your phone and you turn it off. I'll show you. If you don't know where the off button is, I'll, I'll show you, man. And you turn it off and you just spend time with the Lord, right? We know that Jesus prayed all night. In Luke 6, 12, it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and he continued all night in prayer to God, Have you ever done anything all night? Some of you here have partied all night. I remember doing my all-night party as a high schooler. How about praying all night? You're like, oh, Maddie, I'm not there yet. <laughs> you know, start working your way towards it because we see Jesus would do that frequently. And there's a beautiful illustration of this in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 32 where there was a guy named Jacob and the Bible says that he wrestled with God all night. Long. Now the interesting thing, when you read Genesis chapter 32, it says that he was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Any of you guys ever wrestle in high school? Any wrestlers here? One, two, okay, good job. Um, wrestling is a tough sport, you know, no offense, but I wrestled in high school and some of the football players would come out and then they would leave because it's very difficult. You know, you're there, you're exerting all your energy. When you're wrestling in high school, you're wrestling for six minutes, you have three, two-minute periods. And it was, it was so hard. Imagine wrestling all night long. That's what happened with Jacob. And so he's wrestling with God. And the Bible says that it was kind of like a tie, like no one prevailed. And of course, it, we know it was God kind of being easy on him, right? I mean, because God could have pinned him just like that if he wanted to. But, you know, just wrestling all night long, all night long, until the very end of the daybreak, it says that Jacob was holding on to him, and he says that he, uh, he won't let him go. He says, I won't let you go unless you bless me. That's kind of how prayer should be. Lord, I need your blessings. I need your strength. I need you to help me with my addictions, Lord. I need you to stir a hunger and a thirst inside of me. And so what was so cool. The Lord said, okay. And then he touched his lip and he kind of made him limp. I mean, touched his hip, made him limp. And then uh, he changed his name. He said, from this day forward, this day forward, I'm going to change your name. You're no longer going to be Jacob. You're, now, you're going to be now Israel. Because see, Jacob is the manipulator, is the conniver. It's the one who does things on their own human strength, right? Israel, it literally means governed by God. And as you pray, it's so cool, you know, um, you may, well, Lord might change that circumstance or that situation, but one of the best things is that when you pray, he changes you. He changes you. And that's what we need. And here we see Jesus here, our example, praying. And, you know, it's so cool how he says, you know, the Lord, when he's talking to Jacob, you have wrestled with men and with God, and you've prevailed. And so, you know, prayer, communion, spending time with the Father, supplication, you're asking for needs, intercession, you're standing in the gap for others. And here's Jesus praying So I have a hunch that's part of the reason he was praying is because of the fact that Jesus saw the disciples struggling. He knew all about the storm, that it wasn't just the wind, that they were going to go through some pretty bad weather that was motivated by the wickedness of the enemy. And that's what we read next, you guys. Look at verse 47. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea. And he was alone on the land. And then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, so that's about 3 to 6 a.m., he came to them walking on the sea, and and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and, and they cried out, For they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. And so the Lord looks out, it's about 3 to 6 a.m., so it's in the wee hours of the morning, he's been praying all night long, and as the Lord looks over the lake, and for those of you, hopefully you can go with us to Israel in 2018, you're going to see the lake, you're going to see the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus is up here on the hill, and he can see them straining, struggling, at rowing, because the Bible says that the wind was against them. So, I don't know, just in case. You know, a lot of you here are probably doing good. But maybe there's someone here that's kind of struggling, man. You're struggling in your walk with God. You know, you're struggling with your your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your husband or maybe with your kids. There's something going on in your life, you know. I mean, there's so many things that I can mention. People depressed, I mean, panic attacks. I mean, you name it. There's a, a, a multitude of things that we struggle with and the cool thing to know is that jesus sees us as we struggle you know he sees you you know you're like no he doesn't see me there's a whole bunch of people here oh no he sees you he's got his eyes out he's got his eyes on you he's watching you and he wants to do a work in our life right there's an interesting story back in genesis chapter 16 uh, you guys remember the story when abraham and sarai couldn't have any children What ended up happening was Sarai, she said, Hey, why don't you just sleep with my slave, Hagar? And then she'll give you a kid and that'll be ours. And so Abraham did a silly thing. He listened to his wife. Every once in a while, you every once in a while you you shouldn't listen to your wife. But this is one of those times, right? And uh he ended up sleeping with her. Had they got her pregnant, she has a boy, next thing you know. Um, you know Sarai says oh I changed my mind you know what you should not never done that anymore because she got not only pregnant but she got proudful and so um, she drove her away what ended up happening is Hagar ran away she just ran away and you know what ended up happening God met her God met her and then God started to minister what's wrong why are, you, why are you doing this what are you doing why are you running away and then God said no no don't run away your life is going to be wonderful. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your descendants. You're going to have family. You're going to have an amazing life. You know, her name, Hagar, I don't know if you guys knew this. Some of you think Sammy Hagar. No, Hagar, it actually means flight. And what she symbolizes is people who are trying to run away from God. And God goes and, and gets them, and God reminds them that he sees them and so when that whole story was said and done she said wow Uh, and they gave god a new title you guys know that title al roi it means the god who sees the god who sees and god sees everything you're going through not just in part but even to the heart he sees you you know there's an interesting passage over in psalm 139 in verse seven, where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? And Psalm 139.9, it says, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. I don't know how it makes you guys feel, you know, uh, that God sees you. You know, some of you here, you're like, oh no, I'm in trouble, man, God sees me. Hopefully, it comforts you to know that he sees you. Not only why you're going through things, man, but to the heart of the matter. He sees us, and then what ends up happening, Jesus then goes to them, right? Notice we see that Jesus here, he actually walks on the sea. He goes to them on the water. And that's a good thing. It really is. I remember a while back, uh, we went camping, and uh, one day... Uh, we had this thing where we would, went to the lake and uh, we got into a, um, I guess it was a contest between the young guys and the old guys. And um, I was part of the old guys, believe it or not. And, uh, and so we got into a boat, and I guess we were supposed to do these laps with a boat type of thing, right? And, um, and believe it or not, the old guys were winning until Henry and I got in the boat, man. And then when Henry and I got into the boat, I think there's a science to it, huh? Rowing the oars and stuff? I don't know, at least I, I think there is. We didn't know whatever it was. And so anyways, we're out there and we're, we're rowing like crazy. And just for whatever reason, I think it was demonic, man. The wind was against us, right? And the um, next thing you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just fatigued. Henry's out. Henry's like this, man. And uh, of course, we lost the race. But you know what's so cool? To me, I, I've, I, I, I don't know, nothing's by chance. I, I felt like the Lord was speaking to me, just like these guys were struggling at rowing. The Lord then, then went to them. You know, you and Henry and the church and the pastors that are here and all the beautiful people here, when you find yourself struggling at rowing, I want you to know, because you're going to be there. You're going to be there. God says, and so will I. I want you to be encouraged by that that's that's the god that we serve you know here we know the storm was satanic man and it's impossible for any disciple or apostle but not for god because when you read the bible ephesians 1 21 and 22 it says that all the the forces of hell are under the feet of jesus he walks on them see they'll walk on you but when you let Jesus in, then he walks on them, right? It's a picture of Jesus coming to us and, and caring. And something else that's really interesting here, did you guys notice how it says he would have passed them by? Look at verse 48 again. It says, and he saw them straining and rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night he came to them, walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. Now, there's a lot there. But what do you think, Now What does that mean? You know, here they are, struggling and rowing. Jesus sees them. He's been praying for them. He goes to them. And he would have walked by them. He would have passed by them. And there's a, there's a couple of things that I think are relevant in that. And one is this, that, that they say in the Old Testament, this would be uh, what we call a theophany, that God, when he wanted to reveal himself to someone, He would pass by them. We read that in Exodus chapter 33 verse 19 and Exodus 33 verse 22. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Interesting. We see the same thing in 1 Kings 19.11. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord and behold, the Lord passed by. And those were situations where there was a couple individuals, they really wanted to see God. And God says, okay, this is what I'll do. I'll I'll show myself to you. I'll I'll pass by you. See, right now, the disciples still didn't know who Jesus was. It says in verse 52, because their hearts were hardened. Even though the Lord had done so much already, raising the dead, making the, the lame to walk, the blind to see, so many things, even feeding the thousands from seven pieces of food, They still didn't know who Jesus was. And so the Lord decides to come to them, and he would have passed them by. He wanted to pass them by. That's what it says in the Greek language. Because he wanted to reveal himself to them. And that's very important for us. You know, John tells us that when Jesus got into the boat, they were immediately at the land where they were going. Here we read that when Jesus got into the boat, that the wind ceased. And Matthew 14, in verse 32, it says, And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him. They worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I mean, you don't worship anyone but God. And what the Lord is doing in walking on water and defeating you know, the enemy, and stealing the storm, and imagine that, immediately going to the place that they were supposed to go to, was he was revealing to them who he was. And that's very important for us to know. You know, Jesus walking on the sea to reveal himself, and also, it's interesting, uh, just so much here, to rescue them from so much, to rescue them from physical death, to rescue them from even the danger of doubt. Now, maybe you're here today and you're in a storm and and you wonder why. You see, Jesus wanted to teach them a lesson on faith. And so he sent them into a storm. Maybe you're in a storm. He sent them full-on, furious storm. And this time, he wasn't going to be in the boat. You know, last time, at least he was in the boat. This time, they, they weren't... There with Jesus in the boat, but when the Lord would come to them, it would be a lesson that they would never forget. You see, and that's why we go through the hard times, you guys. This is the thing that I want to encourage you in, you guys. As you go through the hard times and things get filtered through the sovereignty of God's will, and you can kick against the goats and you could resist it, and you can say, God, why are you doing this to me? Or you can just let him come to you. Let him come. Let him walk to you. Maybe ask him to get into the boat. And as you do that, you will see him flex his muscles. And you will grow. You want to know why you will grow? Because your understanding of God will grow. And that's the thing that we have to come away with, you guys. You know, it's really interesting. And you look at the different accounts In Psalm 107, if you guys could turn there, there's a really cool passage in Psalm 107. Any of you guys ever done uh, deep sea fishing out of curiosity? Deep sea, a few of you. Imagine the days when they would sail all the all the way across the ocean, and they some of the uh, people still do it, but you don't see it very often. Um, sometimes transporting things, but you know traveling from you know the states, United States of America to Europe, or maybe traveling like you know Columbus did, or different individuals. Man, huge journeys! Imagine what they would see in the deep. That's what we read right here in Psalm 107. It says in verse 23, those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens, they go down again to the depths, and their soul melts because of trouble." They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits' end. You know, so you visualize yourself out there in this big old boat in the middle of the ocean and you're getting tossed to and fro. Maybe you've seen a movie, so you can kind of visualize it, right? And you tried everything. You've got some, whatever, sailors or captains on the ship and they know what to do. But you finally come to a place where you are at your wit's end. You just don't know what to do anymore. And so what ends up happening? It says right here in verse 28, and then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. And then they are glad because they are quiet so he guides them to their desired haven. You know, and that's not just about sailing in, you know, the Pacific Ocean or the Atlantic Ocean. That's about sailing through life. You know, we go through situations where we are at wit's end and, and we don't know what to do anymore. And so we, we got one thing left and it's prayer. You know, that's what happened to me when I was uh, 23 years old. I was doing everything that, you know, the world could offer me, man. And to be honest with you, I knew that I wasn't going to do well in life. And so I finally came to a place where I said, I'm not even going to try. But then Jesus Christ came into my life. It was a simple prayer. You know, I, I just said, Lord, save me. I need you. I need you to help me with my addictions. Lord, I need you to help me in my life. I need you, Lord, to rescue me because I I don't really have a cause or a purpose. And the Lord, he met me there. He met me there. But it has to be a cry from your heart. You know, Matthew 14, it talks about how when this whole thing happened, and I know a lot of you guys probably are familiar with the fact that Peter said... You know, Lord, if that's you walking on water, then bid me to come and walk on water. And, and the Lord said, come. Imagine that, walking on water. How many of you here think we're going to walk on water in heaven? I don't know. They say there's no more sea, but I just have a feeling that there probably is somewhere in this universe. And I don't know. I don't know what heaven's going to be like. I know the most important part of heaven is him. But imagine walking on water, you guys. So, you know, uh, the Lord says, okay, come, you know. And so Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking on water. Imagine that. And so what ends up happening, though, is that the wind is still blowing and the wave is still going because, you know, life still has its difficulties. It's not going to go away. And so what ends up happening is uh, he gets his eyes on those things. Who knows? He probably got his eyes on the guys in the boat, too. Oh, no, they're watching me. And, you know, you just never know. Where do your eyes belong? On Jesus. So when Peter took his eyes off the Lord, what happened to him? He started to sink, right? And so Peter gave a very eloquent prayer at that point. He said, help, right? (laughs) And the Lord, you know, it's so cool. He lifts him up. They put him in the boat. The wind ceases. They're at their desired destination. But the Lord asks Peter, and he's also talking to these guys, he said, "Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? You know, I mean, he comforts them with his presence, but I think he challenges us with those words. How about you? If I could just ask you this question, all of you here, because it's for all of us here, why aren't you walking on water?" I'm like, "Okay, I'm leaving, Manny. You're weird." <laughs> I'm not talking about literal water. I mean, who cares about that in, in one sense? There's something much greater than that. There is a, 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 there is a way for you to walk. There is a, a road. There is a ministry. There is a life for you to live. There is something so much more powerful than just human. It's divine. And what ends up happening is when you get out of the boat and you take a step of faith and you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus... You guys are going to see something that is going to be so amazing. God will begin to use our life for his glory. You will enjoy him and you will exalt him and God will use you even to edify the church. It will be amazing. And so this is what I want to encourage you guys to do. Okay, So you have homework, right? Go home, get on your knees and, and, and then ask God Lord, what is it that you want me to do? How am I to walk on water? What is it that you're calling me to do that's impossible, that I could not do unless it was you? And once he tells you what it is to do, and you might not hear an audible voice. You just continue to follow him, but eventually I believe he'll reveal his will to you. And then what we end up doing is we end up going out and walking on water. That's us because we're Christians. We're saved. We got God inside of us. We got the blood of Jesus that washes away our sins. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God. We are not to be caught up in this world that's beating us down with their waves of wickedness. No, there is a, there is a walk where we walk on water as well. But you've got to keep your eyes on him. See, I mean, there's a lesson here in looking at this. Jesus sending everyone away to protect and, and to pray. Jesus walking on the sea to reveal himself and rescue them from death and doubt. But then the third thing is this, and that is Jesus landing on our land, really, to heal. Look at verse 53. We close with this. And when they had crossed over, then they came to the land of Gennesaret, and they anchored there. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him, ran through that whole surrounding region, and began to carry about on beds those who were sick, to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched him were made well." And so they they come to this place, they cross over the Sea of Galilee, they anchor at this fertile, populous plain. Gennesaret, they say, was about two miles wide, four miles long. The rabbis called this plain the Garden of God. I guess it was a paradise. And apparently there are several medicinal mineral springs in the area that made it a resort for those who were sick. And so there was a, a grip of six, sick people there, a lot of them. And when Jesus comes, as is why he comes, they recognize him. The word gets out. Next thing you know, um, they start bringing their friends to Jesus. You know, another quick side note here. When was the last time you invited someone to Jesus? Yeah, sometimes it means you invite them to church. You know, and I do encourage you guys, if you know anybody who's sick or suffering or lost or hurting, you know, go to them. Invite them to the Lord. Maybe you might invite them to church service. You know, that's how I got saved. I was there one day working with a friend at Vaughn's and we were stacking the apples. Real nice. I, I really like to do that. <laughs> you know, my friend, though, he wasn't that good at it. He's just throwing the apples up like this, right? And so anyways, he's all, hey, uh, uh, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. He's all, what church do you go to? And I wasn't really a Christian, but I told him I was. And then, and then I, he, I said, well, what church do you go to? And, and he said, Calvary Chapel. And all he said was, you should come one day. And those, you should come one day. Five words change my life. save my life. Five words. Maybe, like these guys, they're taking all the sick to Jesus. Maybe you can do that. Maybe you can invite someone to him. Again, maybe it's to church. Maybe you just tell them about the Lord. And you know, if you're like, well, I'm not a theologian. I don't have all the answers. Just tell them that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. They need Jesus and God will use your life. Because there is a physical healing, and praise God, you know, wherever Jesus is, there's, there's no more funeral, right? The dead come to life, and there's no more sick, there's no more lame person, because he's there physically speaking, right? But so much greater than the physical, on this side of time, is the spiritual. And, and when people get saved, because I've seen lame men get saved, get the walk, I've seen that. And it is awesome. But, it's not as awesome as when someone who, who can't walk spiritually, they begin to walk. They begin to walk with God. So much more important is that. And so they go and, you know, if they could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, they would have the blue tassels down there, symbolizing the glory of God, symbolizing them humbling themselves. Man, if they could just do that, and the Bible says that they were healed. And you know, for us, you guys, I pray that we would know this is God's heart for us, man. Maybe you're here today and you're one of those who, you know, you need healing. I want to encourage you. It's a good way to end the study. You know, you come to the Lord and you just say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I want you to touch my life. I'm struggling in whatever area it might be and God will meet you here. You know, when I got saved in 1989, it was August 20th, 7.37 p.m. No, I'm just joking. I don't know the exact time. <laughs> I do know the day. Okay, instantly I was healed of uh, profanities. I, I didn't cuss anymore. I didn't drink anymore. I didn't smoke anymore. You know, I, I waited until God, you know, saved me for different things. I mean, He radically changed my life. God wants to do that with some of you today but you have to make that decision to follow Jesus Christ. You know, you're there and you're struggling at rowing and life is tough and if you want to, you'll stay there and you'll, uh, you know, you'll be lost, you'll be doomed without Christ, right? But here's the thing, he ends up coming to you, right? He comes to you and he offers his love to you. Let me, let me close by, by singing a, a song real quick. I'm just joking, I won't do that. <laughs> There's a song by uh, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. I think it goes back to 1967. Uh, bad grammar, but, but it's a good message. It's called Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep me from you. See, that's Jesus. You know, there's a stormy sea. You're right in the middle of it, man. The devil's, it, it, it won't stop him from coming to you. But how about if we turn it around? Would you be able to say that to Jesus? There ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep me from you. I tell you what, when those two things intersect, you will experience the power of almighty god in your life the bible says as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of god and even sometimes as, re- as christians there's a, the times we read it over and over again in the bible there's those times of rededication and recommitment and so if that's you you're here you're hurting you're You need need Jesus' touch, maybe for the first time or just uh, again, something's going on that's heavy in your life. As we close the service, I pray that you would respond to the way that he wants to work in your life. And I pray that today would be a new beginning.